This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Yes? Oh, ha, ha. Remember me, old chum? You jolly Coming to you live from the ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area on a very snowy morning. Got to wake up and uh, use my electric snowblower. It sucks. I am all for switching out gas to electric, but snowblowers probably need to run on gas. Just throwing that out there. My name is Matt Baum. Welcome to Cover to Cover for Saturday, January 15th. Is where it's going with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm the internist Joe Patrick. Here's how it works. Every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock Central Time, Matt and I go live on our Facebook page and on Zoom to rap about the week's new comics, nerd news, movies, TV, and of course, the question of the week live with our listeners. It's super dope. Like Harvey Joe Locust said. is here. How about them apples? I know. I love it when he gets out of bed early. This is a live show, and we need you to play along. So jump into our Zoom. Like I mentioned, you can find that link at the top of our live stream on the Faces book, or you can call us at 402 489 402-819-4894. There you go. go. you can just like skip all that and click the Facebook call now button. Or you could just chat with us in our Facebook live chat if you want to get in on the action. Maybe you're not proud of your singing voice. Maybe you have a scratchy Muppet voice like my own. I get it. <laughs> Feel free to leave us a message or send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Or you can go to our new contact THN link on the site. Pull it down and answer the question of the week there. It's totally radical. But before we yeah. talk to any of you jerks, we need to editorialize on some news that hit this week in a little segment that we like to call Nerd News. Nerd News. Uh, before we get into the news, just be prepared that we will be discussing recent nerdy shows and movies. Anything else that comes up, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a shout if we're going to spoil anything, if there happens to be anything else. And you ask us. If you want to talk about something, ask us if we can do spoilers. So we'll play it cool here. We're trying to be fair. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just say, hey, I haven't seen it, but, you yeah. know, dot, dot, dot. Faux show. Let's get into it. Secret Wars number eight original art has sold for seven figures at auction. According to a tweet by Heritage Auctions earlier this week, the original page that features Peter wearing the black costume that would later become Venom in 1984's Secret Wars number eight. In fact, I believe it's specifically the, when the costume goes on to him for the very first time. Yes. Um, it sold on January 13th after what they called a, quote, heated battle. For $3,360,000. I can only imagine it's that same jerk that bought like the one of a kind uh, Wu-Tang record and then went. Yeah, to, Martin Shkreli. Yeah. yeah, the farmer bro. <laughs> um, I think it was Todd McFarlane. It was probably Todd McFarlane. He likes to bid on crap. Uh, Mike Zek was the artist of Secret Wars. But Matt, I think it's safe to say that this page hit three mil because of Venom. Right. Right. I mean, obviously. Yes. I mean, like, look, I love Mike Zek. You love Mike Zek. The guy that paid three million for this is not a three million dollar air Mike Zek fan. <laughs> no, <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> That's I mean, he might be as he might be. Uh, coincidentally, a Mike Zek fan. Yes, coincidentally. Uh, that is ancillary. Yeah. But like the question here is like, really? Venom, really? Is this where we're at now? I mean, this is insane. Like right? for context, like I don't just to put it in context. I I don't remember the last time a, an action comic sold at auction, but like we're talking like most valuable comic in the world type money. Yeah, 
for one single page of original art that was published within the last 40 years. I believe there's an action comics that, that sold for like 4 million, but that's only a yeah, million but I, dollars more but than that's this. the top. That's yeah. the tops. Yeah. And that's the whole um, damn book. It's just, it blows my mind. And there's this age old debate. Is this the first appearance of the black costume? Because the black costume actually showed up on stands in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man 252 about seven months earlier than this, with no explanation whatsoever. Yeah, and that's so, and it's weird because I always, I always thought that all of Secret Wars was over. Right. Right. And so I thought that Secret Wars happened in its own mini, and then they did that cliffhanger in all the main books where it's just like. They go into the ship and then the next issue, they come out of the ship, but they're different. Yeah. I thought that I thought all that shit happened after. I did not know that that they went into the ship when Secret Wars started. Yes. And then they just had to, like, ignore it for a year. Pretty much. Yeah. Because in like, the story, they went to Battle World and whatever. And when they came back, it was like instant. They were gone for seconds. But and I mean, yeah, in, in, in terms of the, it, like they lit, it was literally like. The end of one issue, the beginning of the next. Right. That's that was how it went down. And the okay, so people can be like, well, "What about the thing? She Hulk's in the Fantastic Four. The thing stayed on Battle World for a while, right? Because he could transform back to his normal self. I'd have, but I, you know what? I'd have to, I'd have to. Now, okay. Now, now I want to look up the logistics because I feel like they would have had to explain that. Where's Ben? Where's Ben? Right? They would have had to explain that in. As far in as Fantastic I remember, Four. and I don't know, but as far as I remember, they just didn't know. It was a mystery. Right. And Fantastic like, Four knew, though. Well, they yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know if they just didn't talk about it or they didn't tell She-Hulk. Or whatever. Yeah. But my question is, is the first appearance of the black costume technically Secret Wars number eight? Because no. it happened in the past before the events of Amazing Spider-Man. That's not how first that's not how first appearances work. No. I totally agree. The first appearance of this is Amazing Spider-Man 252 and pages of that are not going to sell for three million dollars. So what the no. hell is going on? Here? Uh, <laughs> I mean, everyone considers Secret Wars 8 the first uh, because it is the origin, right? right. It's the origin of, right. or what we see where the black costume comes from or so we think. Yeah. Um, and in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man, they just didn't talk about it, <laughs> basically. Like, ah, it's, yeah, it's got the black costume. You'll find out later. For like six uh, issues. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I really don't know. Oh, and, okay, so here, here are some possibilities. Whenever there was going to be a major change, right? Maybe mm. that's when, maybe Spider-Man 252 came out. Um, the release date of, of Secret Wars number eight was August 28th, 1984. Release date was oh so it was eight, yeah it was eight months yeah so uh, two fifty two uh, came out January thirty first nineteen eighty four Secret Wars came out August twenty fourth I mean August twenty eighth so eight entire months so eight issues of Amazing Spider Man in the black costume with no explanation <laughs> that's great well and we and they knew it was a lie I think because the black costume saga only lasts only lasts like eight issues well it's but, not a very long storyline that story hadn't happened yet they didn't do any of that until Secret Wars the ended. End. So, okay, yeah, so that's it then. Like, yeah. Secret Secret Wars 8 comes out. We learn, oh, it's weird. It's alien. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, the costume's trying to eat you. Yeah, and in the meantime, Spidey was just swinging around doing stuff in a black costume for, you know. Except that, like, but we knew and that, And whoever like, was drawing it was like, whew, this is so much easier. <laughs> yeah, Ron friends. Um, you have to draw but, a like, damn webbing. But that's so funny, though, to me, because, like, there were things, they were hinting at things, like the costume... Uh, 
the costume was shape changing. We knew it. We knew that it generated its own webbing. We yeah. knew that. Um, and the costume would take Spider-Man out yeah. swinging around while he slept. While he was sleeping. Yeah. And he'd wake up super so, hungry. Like, whoa, what? I'm yeah. Sorry. Or tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's wild. But yes, regardless. So, yeah, definitively, Black Costume's first appearance uh, chronologically is... Amazing Spidey um, 252. Amazing Spidey 252. But as Patrick says in the chat, it's also the iconic image of yes. Spider-Man. And the origin. Um, and to be fair, yeah. Heritage Auctions did not say this is the first appearance. They said origin of the costume. So, <laughs> yeah, the dot, John Turner's like the Hulk came back with a jackhammer crutch because he broke his leg. <laughs> yeah, man, there's a whole it's, thing. It's, it's so like, true. What happened? And they were like, nothing. <laughs> Don't I'm worry fine. about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Um, but I mean, that's the, now that we've figured out the, you know, lineage or the, the, the timeline of Secret Wars, um, that's just, that money is stupid. Yes. Rich people, rich people yeah. have to be stopped. Stop it. You jerks. Let's yeah. ping pong to the other side of the big two. DC found yet another way to publish yet another Batman comic. Flashpoint Beyond is coming. This April, Thomas Wayne returns as Batman in the pages of Flashpoint Beyond, which is being described as a meta-multiversal seven-issue mini. <laughs> Flashpoint yeah. Beyond Zero will be written by Johns and drawn by Eduardo Risso, who drew the 2011 Flashpoint spinoff focusing on the Thomas Wayne Batman. Flashpoint Batman Night of Vengeance Joe how excited are you for the further adventures of Batman's Not Dead Dad? Well, he's been running around for months now. Uh, he's been in uh, Justice League Incarnate yeah. and um, the uh, Infinite Frontier. So, like, he's a fixture in the DC universe at this point. And Better so I'm question. fine with that. Do you care? Um, I mean... I don't care about this Thomas Wayne Batman thing. I don't care. Like, the Flashpoint stuff was interesting when it happened, but I feel like the more we revisit this crap, the less interesting it gets. We can't just let anything be a good story and do its thing. We got to bring it back, bring it back, dig it back up. <laughs> you know? Well, okay, but that's just it, is that I don't think that he's just going to be in the Flashpoint universe because sure uh, I, like I've... It. No, because I've seen the preview art, and it's not just Eduardo Rizzo. Eduardo Rizzo is drawing the Flashpoint parts. Right, right. But it's also going to have art by, uh, yeah, it's multi, like it's multiversal. So like, it's it, you know, uh, you know, before or right around fifty two, uh, we would be like, oh, they showed a promo or they showed a, a page from fifty two, and it's Rip Hunter's uh, laboratory, and he's got a whiteboard with all these weird clues written on it. And the first thing you see when you open the story is uh, Thomas Wayne standing in front of a whiteboard full of weird clues, cryptic right. clues. And right. I, like, I instantly got transported back and I was like, ooh, I want to know. <laughs> um, like one of them says Legion of Four Worlds. Right. One of them talks about uh, some character's daughter uh, joining the Justice Society. Not important the, the, because we're yeah. talking, let's talk about Flash. No, but I'm saying like, yes, that excite like that kind of stuff excites me. Like Jeff Johns exploring the, the weird corners of the DC universe. Yes. But I don't think it's only going to be about Flashpoint. I In think he's going quote, to be bouncing around. He says a return to the world of Flashpoint. Yeah. Again, one more time, just for anyone else that didn't hear me the first four times. This I said sure it. sounds like that's what it is to me. It's not just the return to Flashpoint. My God, will you please <laughs> shut up? 
Um, it's because it, they're talking about, yeah, there's a thing here about f- how 5G was averted. In the Flashpoint um, Beyond, we learn that the Flashpoint reality survived and Thomas Wayne Batman yes. is even more shocked than we are. In the seven-issue series, he will return to the streets of his Gotham City to figure out the multiversal mystery of how his universe didn't die and if there's some way to resurrect his dear departed son, Bruce. Right. Uh, I'm not saying they aren't going back to the Flashpoint universe, but I'm saying it's not all they're doing. Um, I just hope uh, like Wayne goes. Eduardo there. Eduardo Rizzo is uh, drawing parts of it. Uh, Zermanico or Hermanico or Yermanico is Hermanico. drawing parts of it. Hermanico. Um, but um, yeah, and you know Thomas Wayne was wrapped up in that whole shit with the button and the yeah. and Doctor Manhattan. Like, there's a page here that's like. Um, uh, channeling J.H. Williams, the third Batwoman layouts. So, like, they're going for something, and I don't think it's only Flashpoint. Um, that said, am I excited about the? Do I care about the Flashpoint universe? No. Yeah. Uh, am I excited about a multiversal, um, you know, mystery-filled adventure? Yeah, I am. Uh, and I think Jeff Johns is a good writer for it. I do too. But I, the thing that worries me is this clockwork killer thing and the tie into Doomsday Clock, which was tying into Watchmen in the DC universe, which we both agreed was stupid. So, yeah, but you know what? That that jar's already off that that the I know. lid's already off I that pickle jar. So, it. what are we going to do about I it? I don't want any more Watchmen in my DC universe. I don't need it. It seemed to go away for a while and now. Jeff Johns is here to maybe do it again. But well, maybe we don't know that. Uh, there's it's the clockwork killer. Only the only thing in common is the word clock. So I agree. Um, we don't we don't know. Um, but there is also in the preview art there is a um, an image of the grandfather clock uh, yep. from Wayne Manor smeared with blood, but also the entire place is smeared with blood. So yeah. Um, it's yeah. I don't know. Uh, do I? Do I care about Flashpoint? No. Do I think this sounds like it could be fun? Yes. If it's not Watchmen shit, it might be fun. (laughs) I'll say that. Okay, wow. Way to head your Big story. Finally, Marvel announces the amazing return of John Romita Jr. Oh, I was hoping you'd say Junior Jr. (laughs) Junior Junior. (laughs) Jr. This week, not to be confused with Junior Senior, who is his dad. Yeah. Uh, This week, Marvel announced another Amazing Spider-Man relaunch. No shock there. But the big news is the creative team, writer Zeb Wells and the legendary artist who can't draw gorillas, John Romita Jr. Jr. will helm the relaunched Amazing Spider-Man with Peter back in the swing of things. Uh, According to Marvel, the initial story of this relaunched Amazing Spider-Man centers around the question teased on January 12th. What did Peter do? Which was teased with some art that featured Spider-Man uh, with his costume in tatters sitting in a smoking crater. Yeah. Not great. Blew something um, up or he farted really loud. Yeah. So it, in, it infers <laughs> that Spider-Man was somehow responsible for something very bad. Whatever it is, the publisher says that it'll result in Spidey being given the cold shoulder by the Avengers, the FF, and even his bedrock Aunt May. Uh, this is, of course, part of Spidey's 50, uh, pardon me, 60th anniversary. Um, so if Aunt May's G- mad, then it's like, this is like, oh, he, he like dated girls that was set up like by Jeffrey Epstein or something. Right. Um, he gave away her, <laughs> he gave away her wheat cake recipe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> something gross. <laughs> like, uh, junior, junior was <laughs> junior, junior was lured back from DC after a six year exclusive with the promise of getting to draw amazing Spider-Man again. Good news, everybody. Yes. 
Scott Hanna is inking it. And when Scott Hanna inks John Romita Jr., his artwork is sublime. And that is not to say that Klaus Janssen's not an important and legendary. We don't need it. We don't need to see. We did. I wasn't even going to bring him up. But leave uh, Jr. alone, Klaus, please. All right. <laughs> Just leave alone. <laughs> uh, this is the sixth Amazing Spider-Man relaunch since 1963. It will be volume seven. Uh, with issue six being number 900 in the legacy numbering. So, so watch for that. We'll, we'll see what happens there. You know, that um, go nuts on that. Come on. So uh, with all of that said, Matt Bomb, is John Romita Jr. the greatest Spider-Man artist of all time? I think so. I, I think he is. I When I think back, it's easy to say like, oh, yeah, with Todd McFarlane, dude. But Todd McFarlane, like he drew Spider-Man for a while. Sure. But he didn't have the run that John Romita Jr. did. Like, Ramita Jr. has, this will be like his third or fourth time on the book. And I don't know. He, when I picture Spider-Man drawn in comic book form, there's a nine out of 10 times I picture John Ramita Jr. drawing him. 100% agree. Right. I, I agree 100% with you. I think he's um, the best. I, I mean, I like, I think you can argue that there are artists that are more historically significant because of course there are sure um steve ditko and john ramita senior um gil kane you know uh, all these guys ross andrew but um i think i do think that uh if we're talking about best i think uh mark bagley todd turner thank you that is a a great example definitely mark bagley mark bagley left an imprint on spider-man that was bigger than every artist except maybe steve ditko um and uh, and coincidentally, I'm rereading Ultimate Spider-Man right now, and I just finished his final issue, uh, issue 112, which beat the consecutive issue run by a writer artist team set by Jack Kirby and uh, Stanley for. Fantastic oh, that's right, War. that's right. But I mean, like th- the runs that he was on, the the, the events uh, that I mean, Spider-Man. Like, was, in terms like, of in terms of best, I think John Romita Jr. is the best Spider-Man yeah. artist of all time. Um, now, Mark Bagley again is also very great, but he's also um, Mark Bagley's Spider-Man. At least the start of it exists in this kind of weird time capsule. Um, of the nineties where it was a lot of clone stuff and, um, not that he didn't start earlier or, or go on beyond it. But, um, I I think, and and then obviously ultimate Spider-Man was a tremendous achievement. But uh, to me, when I close my, uh, there are, there are two artists I think of when I think about Spider-Man, uh, Bagley is certainly one of them. John Romita Jr. is the other. Okay. And um, I'm very excited by this. I, it, it, Todd McFarlane's the other one for me because, like, oh, see, I don't. It's just so I, goddamn I, iconic with the webbing I, and everything. And uh, I, I think that I think that he contributed a lot in terms of of the design. But yeah. I, I like other than a couple memorable issues, Todd McFarlane's run on Spider Man, I don't really find that special. I totally agree. I, I yeah, I think when it comes down to like, like even like, even his Venom, all the things we think about when we think about Venom, Eric Larson right. did not not Todd. McFarlane. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. And I think Todd McFarlane gets full credit for it when Eric Larson deserves a lot more. Yeah. But I just when you look at the runs that he was on, the major events in Spider Man's life and stuff, it just seems like whenever there was something really good and really huge that happened to Spidey. JRJR was drawing it. And man, I I'm super excited for this team. I'm super pumped for Zeb Wells. Good for him. He's me too. Um, and, up, and like man. we, we knew that the beyond, we knew uh, that the beyond thing with it's like super fast shipping was going to be temporary. They were uh, just getting through one big storyline uh, until the 60th anniversary hit. 
And although Ben um, Riley fans have got to be just beside themselves, they thought Ben was back forever. This was it. <laughs> He's your new Spider Man. They're going to uh, swap out the, Tom uh, Holland I, for a new actor, Ben Riley. <laughs> I, I think the new, I think the current Amazing Spider Man book is great. It is I, very, I really, very good. I'm really enjoying myself. It's way with it. better than I thought um, it was going to be. Frank Cirillo asks in the chat. Did well, no, you no, no, guys... no. We'll bring him in here and we'll talk about it with him. Oh, all right. That's fine. He's, 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 uh, then let's get to the question of the week. All right. Uh, let's set it up. Question of the week. And then we'll get Frankie in here and we'll talk about J.R. Jr. on the X-Men. Yeah. J- Junior, Junior. Uh, this week's question was submitted by Harvey Locust, who is with us here in the chat. Uh, what is the most important crossover to you? Whether introduced. Mm-hmm. Let me just let me slow down and read that. We can so just say more than what's your so favorite that it's not crossover. Just one sentence. <laughs> we can just say what's your favorite crossover. But it's not. It's there's more to it. Uh, what is the most important crossover to you? Whether it introduced one of your favorite characters, changed the outlook for a group, or rewrote the entire universe, we all have a major event that we liked more than the rest for one reason or another. What is that event for you? In other words, not which event or storyline is considered the most momentous historically, but the event that is most important to you personally as a fan. Event comics. Got it. All right. Get in here, Frank. Let's wrap, man. Pardon me. Hey. There he is. Sorry. <laughs> I pressed the wrong button. So, Frank, in the chat, you posed <laughs> yes. the question, what do we think yes. about Junior on the X-Men? I okay, so, have a okay, different you say, thought on that. I, I like yeah. I love his Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't yeah, yeah. love his X-Men. Um coming off of Paul Smith and then seeing John Romita Jr. on the X-Men was a complete uh-huh. I, I'm letdown for me. I mean, I love I absolutely thought I thought Paul Smith probably my favorite X-Men artist. Yeah. Well, um, and just and like the style is so yeah. violently different. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> From Paul Smith and, to Jr. And then you brought John. You know, I mean, you look at it in retrospect. You look at it in hindsight. Okay, it's not bad. It's not. It's not terrible. But you know, as as that like twelve year old, thirteen year old kid going from like Paul Smith yeah. to John Romita Jr., I was like, oh man, what the? I'm hundred percent with you. And it and it's yeah. in the sense that like I loved. Junior on Daredevil. I loved Junior right. on Spider-Man. I loved when he drew Iron Man and shit. But for some reason, it, his style is just not the X style I want to see. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't me. right for it. Yeah, yeah, like when the X-Men got all boxy, like he draws. Yeah, ugh. yeah. I mean, you had. Um, I, I think <laughs> okay. that I, I think that uh, that it hit at a bad time, right? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. okay. Personally, I like it, but I get it. Uh, but um, I, I think. I think Ramita Jr. hit the X-Men at a time that his style was evolving away mm-hmm. from uh, where he was he was finding his own way, right? He was drawing very standard house style type stuff, um, uh, really great type stuff when he drew early issues uh, where he his early run on Iron Man and his um, earliest run on Spider-Man when he like during the Hobgoblin stuff. But when he moved over to X-Men, he started to evolve into that kind of like scratchy line, mm-hmm. blockier yeah. kind of um, right. and it only increased as time went by. Like if right. you look at the if you look at his work like post X-Men 200, like when he came back to X-Men in the in the 90s, right around issue 300, it's like bleh, everybody everybody's yeah. got like square fingers and yeah. huge yeah. hair. Um so and on, so okay, yeah, X-Men it's, 175 it's was his first issue. 
And and I'm wondering what I'm wondering what it would look like now if he drew the X Men now with the right inker. What would how would I, we? Well, I, I mean, think he just yeah. That, I think it would be better that now. Magneto cover for Trial of Magneto, and it, and it, it looked good. I, I yeah, right yeah yeah it did look I mean, good. And it really it's just. I, I think that sorry, I'm sorry, Frank. That's I just like I think that when we think of John Romita Jr.'s X Men, there is that brief period running up to issue 200. Mm. Yeah, but I think for me at least, the majority of the time when I think of John Romita Jr.'s X Men, I think of that bulky, weird, mm. bulky 90s. That's why I say when you yeah, look at three, it in retrospect, like the 300s, right? The no, two, you go like, back yeah, and look at yeah. it, and it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, the guy's a tremendous talent. He really is. Um, I mean, we discussed this on when he was doing Superman, and it was like he's not really getting it for me. But his Marvel, his Marvel stuff, I think is great, and I yeah. think that's where his strength is. He's he's a Marvel guy, you know. Like totally agree. I'm not not I, for nothing, but you know, his dad and then him. It's like it's in his blood. Yeah, he grew up looking at his dad drawing Spider Man, and he just doesn't and, DC like any DC character he draws. Yeah. It's bad. I'm saying it just. No, it's not bad. It doesn't look yeah. right. He doesn't have the right style for it. Yeah, right. It just it right. doesn't feel you right. You know why? Right. It's because you're like this is a Marvel style. Yeah, <laughs> that's that why. I mean, it's like when Mark Bagley. It's uh, when Mark Bagley went to DC, where when his exclusive ended, and yeah. um, he went over to DC and he drew uh, Trinity that oh, that's that right. weekly series, um, mm. and then he drew a run on Justice League, uh, yeah. Justice League of America, uh, and um, it just, it's not, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Right. Um, like and right. that's a shame. Yep. Like I like that. It's like typecasting an actor, right? It, it, it's a shame yeah. because I'm sure that they want to be known for more than one thing. Right. You know, and, uh, and I like, like I said, I like his, I like his artwork. I think he's a tremendous talent. Um, but I think he's much better served at DC. I mean, Marvel than at yeah. DC. Yeah, I think, I, hey, it's great. You want to be, you want to be a cut. Oh, I want to draw Superman. I want to draw Batman as a, as a artist. You're like, yeah, I want to draw these guys. But sometimes your style doesn't work with it. Um, I don't know if you saw, there's a picture that popped up yesterday of a Herb Trimpey drawing of, of Mr. Fantastic. And it is, it is when they hired him to, and they told him to draw like Rob Liefeld. Oh yes. Yeah. And oh my God, this is like, and, and I, this is a testament to how good of an artist Herb Trimpey really was that he was able to ape that style so well that people hated it. Yeah. Like the comments on this thing was like, oh, this is terrible. This is, I've never seen him draw this, something this bad. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is. He's doing what he was asked. Doing what he was asked, asked to, to do. do. Yep. Yeah. You know? The job. And, and I think, right. And I think, you know, like house style aside, I think artists, more artists need to pursue like more of their own style when they come to a book. And I think. Oh, for when sure. You, but, yeah. When you get somebody like John Romita Jr. coming, coming on after Paul Smith, it's like, he's trying to not only sort of transition from Paul Smith to his own thing. Yeah. That, you know, it gets, it gets clunky and boxy and weird, right. you, yeah, know? And so, you know, the, the fan. And of course, like every time a beloved artist moves on and somebody else comes on board, right. unless that artist is some kind of superstar. Right. Um, like when, and and John Romita Jr. certainly would have qualified at the time, or he yeah. would have been close. Um, you know, there's going to be backlash from the fans. Uh, but like I, for, to go back to ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Bakley was replaced by Stuart Immonen, yeah. Who, oh, wow. at, who at the time had come off of like he they decided to end Next Wave because Spider-Man is an opportunity you don't say no to. Right. right. And um, and so he's already one of the greatest artists working in the business. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and 
at that time, and he just has only gotten better I, I as he's his, yeah. bounced around. I remember his um, stuff on the Flash. Oof. But like, I I find it uh, like I'd be stunned if there weren't some people out there that were like, "Who's this guy taking over for Mark Bagley?" Like, uh, oh yeah, I guarantee you know, it's just like. Yeah. But you know what, Frank? Uh, I, my last thought is that mm. I think there's something to be said. As much as I like long runs, I love long yeah. creative runs. I love yeah. to sink my teeth into a creator's run and just go. Um, there is something to be said for making your mark. Yeah. And bouncing. Yeah. Yeah. The hell yeah that's true. Um, whether it's <laughs> whether it's uh, you know ten issues or twenty five issues or fifty issues, but yeah. when you're on a when you are known for doing when you are known for uh, being one guy yeah for yeah. the entirety of your career and then you try to make a go of it somewhere else right i, I don't envy you that's like sal Bishema. yeah you know? sal Bishema. Yep, yep exactly yep. Right. totally yeah but sal um, was but, lucky enough that he was the guy and they told yeah. everybody else draw like sal Bishema. <laughs> like right right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so you know but uh, frank that's yeah, not yeah. why you called today so uh cool. we apologize for sh- that's for okay. um that's okay you called to talk about marvel super special number five where jr jr drew kiss right oh my god yeah of course <laughs> yeah. of course of course um i don't know you know i called i called I called out a couple things you know um i i wanted to talk about a couple things here one i keep seeing this rumors popping up that there's going to be another toby Maguire movie that's going to be like his I don't final believe, movie i don't believe and then there's going to be another andrew garfield because uh, he's watching you <laughs> <laughs> um and I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I need these guys to have a wrap up. I could. I don't believe I mean, any of it. I, yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know, man. Sony. I feel like Sony would do it just for the money. Um, I think it would be better served as like, give me. <laughs> I, I would be surprised. I would be yeah. very surprised if Marvel doesn't have something, some wording in their contract where right. they say like, no, Sony, you're not allowed to you know water down the spider-man product with yeah, more spider-men because yeah. like right what a great way like you just put out a, a film that people are talking about like might get oscar nominations and shit and it's quickly yeah. becoming the highest grossing film of all time let's yeah. flood the market with a yeah. bunch more like yeah, exactly. not as good spider-man stuff that's right. a great right. idea you know like come on yeah i mean i don't i don't think i don't think like a short would be a bad idea just like throw out a little short like 25 minute movie, like kind of a thing just just out of general interest i think people would watch it no one's gonna go see an, another andrew garfield or toby mcguire movie yeah. in the theaters oh, i like mean sure the uh, like i sure they will people uh, would like I, I, people i'm would. saying so, they, I, they uh, absolutely will uh whether or not they would bother to pour money into one is another matter yeah now and, and now this is where i am stunned that matt bomb did not um wholeheartedly uh, fall in with this theory because he has always uh, speculated that Sony wants their own piece of the pie. They do. They like, totally they don't do. already don't, get a huge piece of the pie. I don't pie. think they, they will be allowed to do this. I don't think they, they could be allowed to do this. Well, that I mean, Sony doesn't have the Spider-Man, but it's not Spider-Man. That's legal, yeah. right? We like, don't, we don't, we don't know <laughs> all of the, obviously we don't know all the details, but it's clear that Sony does not have sole film rights to Spider-Man. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's weird. It's a, it's a very nebulous, weird thing. No, and, and I, and I think it's just, I think it's, I think it's wishful thinking on behalf of the fans. I, yeah. I, I don't, I like, look, I okay. like Andrew Gar. I, I thought Andrew Garfield was great in no way home. I thought Toby yes. was great in no way home. No, I, we're not going to get, no. we're not going to bring back those guys. They had 
they rode off into the sunset, like literally. Yes, right. Exactly. And these, these exactly. are the same people that are like the Snyder bros. They're like, no, there's still, there's still hope <laughs> out there. Like Ben Affleck came out and like did an interview last week where he was just like, I will never, ever, ever <laughs> do Batman again. <laughs> it was the worst experience of my life. I hated it. All the other actors hated it too. They're not going to say it because oh they're nicer God. than me. <laughs> yeah. What do you, and the you Snyder think of that, what like, do you think of that he's, costume? He's just saying that. He's saying that. So we're so to like, uh, you know, take us off the scent or something. It's not true. <laughs> you guys stop it. It's dead. Yeah, the, mental, the mental gymnastics. These guys go, <laughs> go through. It's, it's kooky. I it's loved just, it though. It's, it's, it's kind of insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, look, yes. Uh, would I would I would I like to know what happened? Like, it's like Damon. Yeah. Uh, Damon is saying in the chat, like, would I be curious to know what happened to both of those characters Definitely. after the movies we saw? Sure, sure. But do I need a full feature about it? No, no. no. Yeah, we had our magic no, moment, we, and right, and and, and, and it was it was it was amazing. It was absolutely the best thing I think that I I've seen. I, I absolutely loved, I loved no way home. I thought it was great. Yeah. I, I think yeah. it gave, it gave Peter our, the, our MCU, Peter, his reason for being Spider-Man with yes. Aunt May with the, and that was heartbreaking. I mean, I'm, I can't even, I can't yeah, even tell you how heartbreaking that was just to watch it happen. And that that's his moment. That's right. his moment that creates him as Spider-Man. Before that, he was just like, hey, look at me. I'm I'm Tony Stark's little protege. This right. is where he become. That's where he became Spider-Man. And it, it's not fair to the character or to the series to be like, and here's some other spider people that are right. doing stuff too. Like, come right. on, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> just stop no, Okay. That. All right. I needed a little dose of reality from you guys. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not worried about it. Uh, let me answer the question and then I'll, and I'll get going. So my question, from the, my answer to the question of the week is, I'm going to go crisis because that mm. changed everything. For sure. Um, for sure. For, for, I, for me, it changed everything for the better, but obviously, you know, it, things, things went back, but you know, it's, it was great. I loved crisis. It was that first, it wasn't the first big, you know, crossover event that I, that I'd seen, but it was the best crossover event. It was that the I'd biggest seen. at the time, yeah. like nothing at the, at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even no. still today, we still talk about it all the time. It's, it's still one of the biggest yeah. that's ever happened. That's great. Right. I mean, they just, I mean, for God's sakes, they just made a move. They just put a t- TV show together with it. Yeah. You know, 20, 30 years later. Oh yeah. We'll, you know, we'll never like, stop talking about crisis. Right. That's just right. How oh, oh, I got I do have a question. Wait, wait. I, I didn't finish watching Eternals yet, but my question is this. Um, it, and this is maybe spoilery is, the seed coating is the seed that landed on earth for the eternal. I'm not the eternal for the, for the uh, celestial um, vibranium vibranium. Did they answer? No, I don't think so. I think the celest- I think the celestial was already in the earth when the vibranium meteor hit. Yes. The earth. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. That was, uh, like that was, I, I was, was watching- built around it basically. Like okay. Egg, so. Cause I'm, I was watching eternals yesterday. I'm, I got like another hour left. I can't because I can't watch it straight through. Some it's kid. so long. It's long. It's very long. It's, and, it and feels long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it should have been yeah, a TV I, show. <laughs> it is okay. So I said that was going to be the last thing, but this is my last. <laughs> okay, well, we got to keep moving here. Right, Frank. I know you we guys got to go. Got some more um, it's good. It's a good movie. It's not your average Marvel movie. That's all yeah. I wanted to say. But it's a good movie. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. It was good. I didn't. I, yeah. I think they could have fleshed it out better in a television show. Quite honestly, definitely. Yes, Frank. Good to talk right, to guys. you, man. Have a great week. Bye, buddy. Harv, you came up the question. Get in here. We want to hear about your favorite crossover or event. What you got? 
All right, guys. Well, first of all, in other Spider-Man news, uh, we got us we got a Spider-Man DVD at home release date. Hey, all right. Nice. <laughs> not not as nice as we were hoping. Um, <laughs> February twenty eighth. Well, for a price of nineteen ninety nine, it's not going to be on Disney Plus. There you go. Yeah, you know that's that's the Sony. Don't you remember when they sell said, some DVDs, baby? You remember when they said that they were going to bring the Tom Holland movies to Disney Plus, and then it never happened. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened with that? Yeah, no, well, you know who knows. Sony is wrestling, is what they're yeah. doing. So yeah. they got to sell. Yep. They put DVD players in the PS5, so got to sell DVDs. <laughs> but again, like, uh, there's there's nothing to be gained from fighting. No. The, Putting Disney, putting the Spider-Man movies on Disney Plus will make Sony money. Like, there's a reason why streaming is profitable. Like, yeah. I don't get it. Well, anyway, anyway, that's not why I recall. Harvey call. Yeah. Oh, okay. And also, uh, Matt Baum, mm-hmm. uh, I got to call you out. Your nerd bet hit me. Hawkeye did not die. Yeah, Hawkeye <laughs> didn't die. Hawkeye did not die. I, I at the time I was mad at Hawkeye. And I just wanted him to die <laughs> and, and like get out of the way so we can have the new Hawkeye and everything. But no, he didn't yeah. die. You know, and it, and yep. it still ended well. I still had a good time with it. It was a lot of fun. Yep. And I, you know, and I don't know. I mean, all in all, I enjoyed the series. It was fine. Yeah, I I thought it was really fun. I thought it was pretty damn good. Yeah, you know, it was it was interesting. Now that it's interesting bringing you know this this uh the netflix guys in we'll see it'll be fun to see what happens there yeah but i'm not gonna even try to pretend i'm gonna know anything that's you know yeah i think everybody needs to stop doing rumors <laughs> insiders said and rumors are like okay yeah. just we're all gonna be wrong so let's just watch yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> hard so what is your answer to the question my well my okay my answer to last week's question my golden mepo goes to loki nice uh, that was that was I, I think my favorite so far of all the Marvel shows. Fair enough. And uh, my answer to this week's question is Fall of the Mutants. That's an excellent, excellent event. I like that. I like and, that. And, and, and the reason why it's so important to me is because it it was it it's the events that lead to the founding of Excalibur, which to me, which was you know one of my books when i was a kid you sure know, that's what got me into collecting fallen mutants man when i was read that when i was young it was one of those things where it just seemed like all the x-men could just be killed they could all die like right here like it, anything goes this was it was one of the craziest that's x-men weird. events i had read at to at that point and was just like oh my god are they gonna kill wolverine <laughs> like what are they what are we doing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he was yeah nuts. we're killing all the main characters and uh you know that's the, it oh. the aftermath there was so much good stuff that came out of it too all right Excalibur i mean they, they left it, it left it left the x-men in an, that place where okay everybody thinks we're dead we can't be ca- captured on camera yeah uh we can just do stuff underground. We're, we're based out of Australia. And then you had weird X teams like replacing them because they thought they were dead and like, oh, right. loved it. They were, like Ford you know, leading a team and stuff. Like, oh. I've never read Follow the X or Follow the Mutants. Oh, you've I, got, there we go. Slack issues, Follow the Mutants. We're doing it. That is going to be awesome. <laughs> um, okay. I, like I, I, I always confuse it with uh, Follow the Mutants. I get, I mix up with the Mutant Massacre. Yeah. Which I know is a totally different thing. Totally different. Um, but also was terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, fall, um, fall, and fall. also the Extinction Agenda, which is not as terrifying. No, Extinction. Ugh. 
but it was not good. <laughs> Paul, Paul has some really uh, heavy stuff between um, Forge and Storm. Yeah, yeah, that's where he like her. he takes Storm her powers power. and stuff, and like yeah, mm-hmm. and she's she suicidal for a while, and then she back. wants to kill yeah. him, and like oh, it was heavy stuff. Yeah, Mark Silvestri was drawing it; it was beautiful. Oh yeah, not Mark Silvestri. Yeah. Barry Windsor. Well, okay, sorry. Yeah, Silvestri was the, Barry Windsor Smith did two Forge Storm centric yes. issues called Life Death Part One and Part Two. Amazing. Um, but uh, th- that's not where he, that's not where the that was more of like a reflecting on what happened kind of thing. right. Harv, yeah. good to talk to you. Okay. Good answer, man. You have a good one. Thanks. See you, Harvey. Uh, real quick before we move on, uh, something that. Um, has come up about Hawkeye uh, that was brought to my attention from friend of the show, John Traverdick. Uh You may recall in past weeks, the debate raging here on cover to cover about whether or not Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin in Hawkeye is the same kingpin right. from Daredevil because, and I don't understand why, but because all of you jackholes think that this kingpin has somehow has superpowers or is stronger or tougher or I just something. said tougher. I just said way tougher uh, or right. stronger. So here's a quote from Vincent D'Onofrio. And forgive me, it's a, it's a, it's, I'm going to read the whole thing. I don't think Vince actually knows. I think he's just saying shit. Um, you don't think he knows? He's no. the guy. So here's a quote. Vincent D'Onofrio, quote, you know, I learned recently a couple of the fans, they were very excited about it. They were commenting about the strength that I have because I'm throwing Kate around and stuff. And I totally forgot. I just saw a clip on Twitter of me and, and Charlie Cox fighting uh, in the first season of Daredevil. Obviously, he's an incredible director. He helped develop the character of Wilson Fisk. There's a scene in that we shot in an alley in a street in Brooklyn where I am literally throwing Daredevil around through the air. Like I am picking him up and swinging him 15 feet into a garbage can. I do it a few times in that fight. That's true. It's it's no different. It's really not. So I keep saying that it is the same Fisk that was in Daredevil. It's the same canon. But people get confused about these things. I understand. Okay. So, I mean, if, you he, don't, if he's saying that's it, then that's it. Brian Domingos is here with us, by the way. I want to introduce hey, you. Hey, guys. You don't think that Charlie yeah. Cox has 50 pounds on uh, Kate Bishop? Like, of course he does. Yeah, you like, yeah come in, like, uh, I, like, you know, everyone's like, I mean, look, look at how he's manhandling that 75 pound seventy. <laughs> he's like six foot four and a monster, and she probably weighs 115, 120. Yeah, even. Like, I'm saying Kate's, I'm saying Kate's 175. 180. She's beefy, you know. Also, you know, <laughs> harness and everything. Like, come on. Like, th- this is, yeah, th- this whole thing, like, there's just such, like, like, the hunger for more, like, more. There's, he's bigger and stronger. It's like, guys, take what you're getting. Just be happy <laughs> with what you're getting. That was the issue. I think we were just all kind of shocked and, like, is this different? And Not we're also enough. far removed from, very far removed from like the Netflix Daredevil. I hadn't watched it in a long time. And after we talked about that, I watched it and I was like, all right, yeah, he is definitely, he's definitely the same guy throwing people around and shit. I, we were just removed from it, I think. So it came off as shocking. I mean, and that yeah. is totally, that is totally fair. Um, I, I, and I, I don't, I don't mean necessarily the TH head, you know, nerd guys, but um, you know, like the, look at the Twitter army, you know, like the, the stuff of like, it's like one delusion builds on another delusion and all of a sudden he's arm wrestling Thanos, you know, like that's what these things, like they just grow and grow and grow. And it's sure, like, right, yeah, just, yeah. Right. he's 
like Vincent D'Onofrio was cast because he is a giant man. Like, right. you know, like there's just, it's like he physically just as a person is, is a big dude. Like go watch his criminal intent, which is a lot yeah. of I like, I, look, I'm not recommending it, but you don't think that uh, Michael Clark Duncan treated Ben Affleck like a rag doll in the daredevil movie. Oh, I guarantee God. you he did. Can we please not talk about that? I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying, but that is, that, that is the character of the Kingpin. Yeah. That's Kingpin. As far as I know, that, the, ha ha ha. He's the, fat. No, he's not. He's terrifying. Right. There are, there are two scenes in that Affleck movie. There's one where, um, uh, Colin Farrell says bullseye and points at his forehead uh, and then yes, a whole right. bunch of cartwheels in a, uh. um, in a park. And that's all I remember from the whole movie. So do you remember when he stands uh, um, on the motorcycle they, and like throws they, stained glass, like, like a machine they, gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what are we he, doing? Shat- he shatters a, he shatters a church window and then catches the stained glass in a stack, like a deck of playing cards yeah. and, then, and then flings them off of his hand, like Ricky J. Yeah. Um, well, that's, I guess that's a good question about bullseye. He's an expert thrower, but is he that good at catching too? Apparently, yes, he uh-huh. was a baseball. Yeah, yeah he yeah, was yeah. a baseball star. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's like a badass. You know, like shortstop. He was a pitcher. Been, oh, yeah. the, uh, the the sports master. He could have pulled that off. There you go. Um, he's a one man sports master. Yeah. Um, hey guys, what's going on? Hey, um, hey, how you doing? The uh, the the three point three million dollar sale of that Spider Man page is baffling for so many reasons. Because a, I know it's not the first appearance. Because by you know almost a year. Um, and also it's like, it's a half page spread. Yeah. Like it's not, and it's not even that great of a page. Like it's right. fine. Like, like Mike Zek is great. Is it like, iconic? Sure. It is not the best drawing Mike, Mike no. Zek has ever done of Spider-Man. N- nowhere you know, near like it. It's, no, no, nowhere no. near it. Um, <laughs> the, and I, I looked it up cause I was curious, like the, that big sprawling one, you know, full page thing of, you know, from the dark night of Batman in, in, uh, Carrie Kelly, Robin, when they're like, you know, that iconic image of them flying through the air mm-hmm. 11 years ago, that sold for like $450,000. That's crazy. And, that's and, crazy that, it, that this, that this secret wars thing is more than that. And that's it's like, is that, that is way more important and more iconic than him yelling. And like, even if you look at like the, 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 the physicality of the figures, a little weird, like it's a very weird, like hyped up, hyped up yeah. sale. Mm-hmm. Like I just imagine yeah, these Brian. like two nerds with money just like bidding on each other. That's what it's you know, got like, to be. Wanting- like two yeah. venom dorks. I absolutely or not even like a hardcore venom dork. Someone's like, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I collect comics now and shit. And like, and I, I got so much money, it doesn't matter. F- it. Three million dollars, bro. Or the what guy do you that think does my about social that? media you know? says that 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 venom's huge, so I'm gonna buy this. Right. You know, yeah, like that's. The I other mean, thing. Uh, yeah. it's and uh, aside from the hype of it, right? It's also it's just like this is people with too much money. Yes. Being t- like too rich for their own good, for the good of the planet. It's like. Stop it! What hey, are you doing? But you know like, what? You know what? I, I, am I get glad that about? you're a fan of. I get you're a fan of something. But come on. The one good thing about this, it's fungible. All right, it exists. <laughs> it is. It's, it's real. It is, a, <laughs> it is an. It is an all fungible token. Yes. An, AF, an AFT. So if, if it was me, I would take that page and seal it in the nicest thing in a dark room because sunlight eats ink, um, and then have a really nice high definition color scan printed yeah. out 
uh, like an artist hung on my wall. Yeah. You know, yes. I would, uh, for my, I'd make my own fungible copy of it. I'm going to, in a safe somewhere. I'm going to go straight to newsarama and, uh, right click on the image of that page. <laughs> and I am going to create an NFT of it and see if I can also make 3.6. Can you, um, sure. can you, I bet if there was, some, there's a database somewhere, I'm sure that happened immediately. Oh, I guarantee yeah. you. Right, like, I promise you. Oh my God. There's probably an entire Venom economy <laughs> that we don't know about on some stupid site. The Venom economy, you know, yeah. Where they're making <laughs> Venom coin right now. <laughs> God, it's so stupid. <laughs> of, the, of economy, if you will. God. So oh, yeah, um, the, the GDP, uh, more than the GDP of Argentina. <laughs> yeah. Is the, like, is oh, the Venom totally. Yeah. Uh, and then they, so they have to, they have to name the, um, the, the index after a character from Venom, right? So like the, du the what's the, what's the boyfriend's name? Doug or Ken or Dan? Stupid. It's Dan. Uh, the the, instead something. of Dow Jones, we can call it the Dan Jones. Oh. The Dan Jones <laughs> dropped 30 points today. Listen, this is more fodder for your, your lying, uh, straight up bold face lying Twitter mm -hmm. account. Of, uh, oh, right. Yeah. Numbers. Oh, I think, you know what? I think we, I think, I think we just need to start selling V coin on that account right now. I think know? we should, uh, V coin. <laughs> no, you, all you do is take a, a, a graph, just a random graph with colored lines on it. And then yeah. edit in V coin. Right. Just be like V coin skyrocketing. It's, it's just like, been growing. It's just been growing. Like I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna, when we started it, we had an I, I Oh, and we'll also say that ours is ecologically safe, though. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we, oh, we know how to. <laughs> we got the hippies uh, yeah, now too. All of uh, all of our servers are powered by wind farms. Yes. Uh, yes. But um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green, but um, also still imaginary. It's, it's great. Right. It works out it's, that way. Uh, it's, yeah. it really, it's any color if you really yeah. want to think about it. Um, uh, it's it's funny that you should mention that, Brian, because VCoin, uh, since we uh, invented it five seconds ago, it has tripled in value. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so um, get in on the ground floor, guys. Yeah. It's two at a nerd at gmail.com no or PayPal.com. No place to go but up. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, up and how, to the right. how many V coins does the monthly Patreon cost? Is it a uh, one V coin or? Oh, you can't um, pay. Or, no, no, no. What do you, you cannot pay? Yeah, no, we all, coin. Oh, what we, oh, sorry, what sorry, are we sorry, idiots, we Brian? Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not how pyramid you, schemes work. But <laughs> no, we, if, you if need you, to pay us money. Please spend your you, V coins uh, elsewhere. We're yeah. at the top if, of the triangle. You people are at the bottom. <laughs> See, the if we, it'll come to you later. If you if you sign up, if you sign up for um. A, if you commit to a year at the maximum tier, we will send you one V coin. All right. Wow. <laughs> All right. Let's keep moving here. This, <laughs> this is All a right. great gag. I love um, it. <laughs> one thing uh, uh, I watched the first episode of Peacemaker last night and it is so much better than it has any right to be. It it's was, unbelievable. It really, it really was wonderful. Um, and I instantly like, look, I, I like John Cena and I know a lot of people don't like John Cena's wrestler because he was a kid wrestler or whatever and he never turned heel and he was always a good guy and people just got super sick of his shtick. I get it. This what does that mean, a kid wrestler? I mean, like he, all the kids wore his stuff. He was a real family friendly guy. Oh. Like that's it. He was a you know he wasn't a wrestler for adults. He though. was a kitty character. Like whereas like the <laughs> yeah, Undertaker was a scary <laughs> character. You know, but like the other one, I for adults. This yeah, right. turn yeah, yeah, of yeah, his yeah. career, I forgive him for a hundred percent of that. For is it all of it? I mean, uh, let me ask you the <laughs> you follow up follow up sir. question. Follow up question. I'm sorry to keep the wrestling questions going, but. People are mad when wrestlers don't turn evil. Yes. Well, because that's John the Cena, dumbest thing I've he ever had been heard. a good guy for so long that everybody was just so tired of his shtick. And he was the only wrestler basically that didn't turn heel. Everybody else does. It, it happens. I would think that would make him interesting, but right. Then well, he's the only one that, that doesn't. Like, look, I lo I love John Cena. I, I think that like so in the hierarchy of wrestlers turned actors, it goes. 
Dave Batista is number one. The Rock is number two. Uh, mm, I'm the saying Rock The and John, Rock is number one. So, no, no, no. By I'm, a couple I'm, billion dollars. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't mean monetarily. I don't mean monetarily. I mean in terms of their acting ability. I think Dave Batista is an act, actually a tremendous actor. I do too. I think he's very good. Um, so I think Batista is the best actor. I think The Rock is a um, is second, and I think that John Cena is a very close third. You're not even going to mention Tyler why Maine. The Rock is, You're not even going to mention Tyler Maine's saber tooth. Come on. No. Um, and the reason why I'm just talking. I didn't hear top, any thunder I'm, lips I'm, there either. Thunder the lips. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm only talking top three here, guys. Um, I'm just saying uh, the reason why The Rock and John Cena are fun is because they're just the same guy every time. They're the same guy in everything. John Cena is the same dopey idiot in everything he's ever been in. And and when he was in Fast and the Furious 9 and he had to be evil, it was less fun. Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work. And Um, the movie didn't work. And I didn't really. Yeah. uh, But anyway, I digress. I digress. Um, Peacemaker. Let's talk Peacemaker. The the scene where Peacemaker goes to his dad's house and his his dad is Robert Patrick doing a full. I love it. um, Oh my he's god! Just, he's doing full Christopher Walken. It's insane. Yeah, um, yeah. But yes. um, he's walking up to the house, and he's just got this look on his face. And I was like, "That is who Marky Mark thinks he is. He thinks he is this guy. He thinks he has yeah. that kind of chin and that kind of charisma <laughs> and that kind of talent because he just like I don't I, I don't really care one way about John Cena or not. But it's like he's good. Like even mm-hmm. he's just there's something about him. Like he's likable. He can sell it. He can sell it. And, and like. The, Right. He's, he's funny without being funny. Like he just t- says these things and, well, um, and he's doing show- things that we never, if you, if you watch John Cena as the wrestler for as long as I did, you would have never, there, there isn't a way that I would believe you. If you said 10 years from now, he's going to be dancing around an apartment in his whitey tidies. And then he's going to have a full on like sex scene with a woman. I was like, get out and John Cena. No way. There's no way we'll ever see John Cena's butt. We saw it three times in the peacemaker. <laughs> I, I imagine that, that James Gunn wanted that entire scene for him to be naked. Yes. Like that whole final scene, because there, there there's so much underpants and I just, yeah. Feel like he's like this is what they want, and HBO is like that's a lot. There's a lot. There's so much flying around. <laughs> yeah, 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 and there's, yeah. there's like too much, too much butt. So put some, put some re- the tightest underpants you can physically fit on him. Put those on, and that'll work. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I I loved it. And, uh, like at at first, I was like, boy, they're trying really hard. You know, they're trying really hard. It's like okay, they're on HBO. They know I like I I, I, I know that the Suicide Squad was rated R, and it was what it was, and I loved it. Um, but this just seems like James Gunn was like, oh, now I have a free pass and every third word is f-. and I like I don't have a problem with cursing. But when I notice that somebody is trying really hard to get cursing sure. in there, sure. That's when I'm like, Ugh, stop the Kevin but Smith dialogue for the Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. The Kevin yeah. Smith, uh, the Kevin Smith uh, dialogue. Um, but then the opening credits hit and I'm telling you what. I lost my mind. I lost my mind. There were characters in that in the opening. Are they going to do a new dance number for every episode? Because you know some of those characters aren't going to be in the second episode. So he, so Gunn came out and said that he thinks the skip intro thing on a lot of on a streaming, you know, is the worst thing in the world. 
He hates it because he's like, the intro is made to intro the show. So we went out of our way to make an intro that people are not going to skip. No, I get it. Yeah, no, it's, actors, def- you know? it's definitely like, like an indictment of the skip so intro button. I do think they are going to do something a little different every time because like Alan Tujik was on Twitter. Like they tweeted a thing where Tujik was doing all the dance moves in uh. an opening and shit. So I, and he was doing the Cena moves basically. So I do think they're bringing in other characters like for every intro to be like, okay. So now Damon uh, in the chat, Damon Chan says, um, that so far it's been the same every time. Oh, um, they released the first three episodes on day one. So I've only seen the first one so far. Um, so, uh, maybe, maybe hopefully fingers crossed for future weeks, they will do something different. Um, because like the janitor guy is in it. I think the cheetah, like the weird cheetah lady that he fights is in it. Yeah. Uh, like, like there are characters in it that, uh, the, the, the dad's neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) These characters are not going to come back. Are they? That's so bizarre. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, the opening, once the opening credits hit, I was I was in love, and then by the yeah, the, all the stuff with Jason Patrick was uh, was uh, with Robert Patrick. Sorry, Jason Patrick is from the Lost Boys. Um, all of the stuff with Robert Patrick was a delight. Yeah. Um, and then like oh and oh my god, what like I knew that he was like right wing shithead, but when at the end where he's like, yeah, I don't know if you're out there, you happen to kill a couple of blacks and maybe some whatever. So I'm like, oh shit, he's like he's a Nazi. He's not. He's but a he doesn't. Nazi. He doesn't realize it. Like he doesn't yeah. know he's the bad. And um, I love he's talking to that janitor when he's getting ready to leave, and he's like, oh yeah, you're oh you're the racist super. He's like, I'm not a racist. He's like, oh you right. just only happen to kill a lot of brown people. It's like, well, right. what? he's like, would you like it if I made an attempt to kill more white people and he's like as a matter of fact yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's a good point yeah yeah, but uh but the but the number one the number one uh thing for me was that goddamn eagle that yeah. hugged him and oh loved God, him and cuddled him yeah eagly yeah. Uh, and, just like, and was, it brought yeah. like brought him a marmot to, like as a, <laughs> a ferret to like yeah. comfort him i was like oh jesus uh yeah wonderful wonderful yeah I, it was I, it was really any anyone even if you haven't seen suicide squad i don't think you need to um, i agree with you you've got access check it out you can just was, have fun it with was this. fun Definitely. Brian, good to talk to you, man, as always. Hey, was there anything else, Brian? I'm sorry. I kind of dragged out a lot of stuff. Did you have um, like a no, question to answer the just question? Answer the week, week. Like oh, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, just from the time, um, the Infinite Crisis is probably it. The Countdown to Infinite Crisis is like a such an interesting setup. All the all the tie-ins are great with Villains United and, and OMAC, and, which leads to Checkmate, and then it goes to 52, and like, I love the punching through time and space. I love Superboy Prime doing that. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's nuts and it's it is um, nuts. I'll yeah, give I mean, you that. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it's comic book amazingness. Like it's so funny. It's you know he's so mad he's gonna punch and it's and that's why Jason Todd's alive and all that. stuff. That became yeah. such a punchline in our comic shop for a while. Or like, and something would happen in DC comic and be like, "What the hell is that?" And be like, "Well, Superboy must have punched yeah, the wall. Punched the wall in reality. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's, that, that seems pretty dangerous to me." Um, so yeah, and that, it's a really know, the, it's a really scary power if you think about it. Yeah, for oh, more than five seconds. Yeah, and the whole um, yeah, and just that actually led into really big stuff after that with fifty two, and then like the Grant Morrison Batman run. Yeah, and um, they had a really good like two thousand five through like two thousand seven 
was like so huge for DC and I loved 52 and one year later like I loved yeah, a too. ton of that stuff I think I, I might need to revisit Infinite Crisis but I feel like I liked the stuff that came uh, out of it more than yes. I liked okay, so, uh, Infinite yeah, Crisis yeah I, I will say and Brian uh, feel free to disagree but uh, I think that Infinite Crisis the event itself is um, it was a not, mess it's not that great but the build up was amazing yeah uh, like that was the last, I think that may have been the last time that I legitimately felt like excited for an event to start because yeah. it was, you know, it was the crisis anniversary for one thing. So they already had me on the hook mm-hmm. and, um, but like all like the, like the, the different minis that touched on the different corners of the DCU, the villains, the magic, uh, Batman's paranoia with the OMAC project. And, um, what was the, the fourth stuff. one? Ranthanagar War. Yeah, the Ranthanagar War stuff was great. And uh, like I like all of that stuff and how like with the the whole thing with Ted Cord getting shot and how nobody believed that he was onto something and Booster Gold being the one to like try to bring him justice. Like all of that shit, I loved it. I loved it. Um and then, you know, Super Boy Boy Prime like rips three or four teen titans in half um and so by the end of the by the end of that event i'm like "Eh, okay maybe seven issues was too many but um but then all of the stuff that came after 52 one year later i i love so much of it yeah um so i think that's a great answer and then dan didio shut it down the next year and was like nope yeah you know gotta gotta do 52 52 done right yeah oh my god yeah the countdown book is you should yeah well how about we get a uh too long uh didn't read uh on that let's uh remember the the crime bible stuff that nobody really cared about in 52 let's double down on that (laughs) and it's and that's just like greg rucka man like greg you're the you're supposed to be like the good one. Yeah. What are you doing with this crime Bible stuff? Yeah. It's Ugh. it's not good. Well, it was dumb. Um, yeah, I I feel like with that there was so like it's it, it's it's such it's the Montoya story. like that that question miniseries was not good and right. it's it's just like is there not any idea you know right. like is and there not like, like it literally came from the Bible yeah. is the villain yeah. That's no, <laughs> it's dumb. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brian, we're going to keep moving here, man. But it's good to talk right. to you. Later, guys. Bye, Brian. Uh, real quick, just because we're nearing the end and I know that Nate uh, doesn't always want to talk. Uh, but uh, I don't know if you heard this while Frank was on the phone. There was some background chatter with his daughter. Um, she was in a staring contest with the Zoom avatar of Nate Aguilar, a uh, friend of the show. And she decided that she won. Oh, well, oh, wow. sorry, sorry, Nate. Nate. You got to get better, man. <laughs> Jimbo, how are you? Uh, doing pretty good. Okay, you know, nice try. Question of the week. I have an answer. Crossover. So, when I was a young lad. I was watching the X Men cartoon and okay. the Spider Man cartoon, and they crossed over. Yeah, it, yeah, oh, they did. Yeah, it blew my mind. So that's my answer of the week. All right, that's a good one. Okay, looks like Peacemaker. You guys are caught up through all the episodes. I had questions, but we'll wait on those. Now, the reason why Alan was doing the dance, Matt, is because his wife did the choreography for the opening. Oh, really? Yeah. That's adorable. I didn't know that. Interesting. That's great. (laughs) That's totally great. Yeah. Peacemaker was, uh, all all three have been crazy, like really good, Uh, which is interesting because it's like total freedom versus the Marvel, like you have to build up to something. And what do I mean by that? I mean, like, you have to build up to a larger purpose right. in the universe. You push yeah. a story. Is, yeah. 
Right, which is kind of interesting to see if DC will just allow more creators. Oh, just come over here. No, no diagram. Just you know, do what you want to do. Uh, I, I don't know if that. Well, I do think there there's a real opportunity there, and I think this a, a show like Peacemaker, which is not a character that like anybody gives a crap about right, outside yeah. of the fact that John Cena played him in a movie. Because before that, you're like, no, nobody knew who Peacemaker. Joe and I have like blank spots where Peacemaker, <laughs> you know. When it yeah, yeah Peacemaker I, I couldn't tell you anything about the Peacemaker think except it, that he's kind of crazy. I think it shows that there is a legit chance to do stuff like this, like limited series where we get like, I don't know, a Hawkman story or, you know, yeah. we like a dead man story or something crazy. Like, let's get weird. Tell me some stories. You don't have to do a full CW show. You don't have to do season, season, yeah. season. Let's just have some fun. Do it. And I mean, I, I unfortunately, I think like, yes, I agree with you. But I think that the reason why HBO thinks, oh, we can get away with doing this is because the Suicide Squad was such a success. Yeah. Um, and it's James Gunn and it's John Cena. Of like, I, I don't think the lesson, oh, yeah. the lesson is not necessarily going to be, oh, people have a hunger for the DC universe right. in a way that like will get us a, um, you know, a, a, a revival of Swamp Thing or, yeah. um, you know, a, or Hawkman or whatever. Um, just like a standalone, you know, a standalone show. Yeah. Um, we're going to get a Batgirl movie. Oh, which by the way, uh, breaking news last night, um, Leslie Grace, the, uh, star of the upcoming Batgirl HBO movie, uh, tweeted out an official image of her in costume and it is outstanding. It looks great. Yeah. It looks, um, great. and so, and so like, we're, we're going to get like Batman stuff till we die. Yeah, there's but, rumors that oh, yeah. Nightwing is going to be in this, that's too. That's the lesson they learn, you know. Yes. Is, you yes. know but I agree with you, though. I wish they would say, oh, all we need to do is give somebody creative freedom and, uh, you know, and uh, and a budget. And, we can finally and get that wild dog show we've always wanted. Th- right. And this this universe, this universe can produce a lot. We can mine this universe in the way that Mar- Disney is, is mining the Marvel universe. Yeah. But we don't have to, like uh, Jim said, we don't have to serve this larger purpose we can just tell good stories yeah i I mean i think they're in a unique place to do that and marvel can as well like i don't i don't know if this moon knight show is going to be outside of like a story about moon knight i don't see moon knight like joining an (laughs) avengers team or something like hopefully i'm just hope they just tell me a moon knight story yeah but that's what people expect from marvel shows now yeah yeah so i'm hoping they can there there will be some you know there will be something there will be something uh, julia louis dreyfus will show up something will happen or daredevil Um, is there or something along those lines but and if they want to do that and be like okay well this is going to be a little more new york street level driven I'm okay with that. Not everything has to touch on everything in the Marvel universe, you know? So so last night, last night uh, I was, I was reading um, ultimate Spider-Man as I have been doing. And I got to, I got to the arc um, uh, post 100 where um, Daredevil assembles Dr. Strange, Iron Fist, Shang, uh, Shang-Chi, and Moon Knight, and Spider-Man. And they're like, this is it. We're taking down the Kingpin. He can't be allowed anymore. We're, we're doing it. And um, the plan they come up with is to um, have one of them come up with a new identity and go pose as an assassin 
uh, auditioning for the Kingpin. And that's where we get Ultimate Ronin. And because the Kingpin knows who Iron Fist is, he's seen Peter's face. Um, you know, it's and Doctor Strange is famous. Um, they choose Moon Knight. Moon Knight's going to be the guy. And, uh, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, we're going to put the guy with multiple personality disorder yeah, in yet another costume it'll and act him fine. to pretend to be somebody else. <laughs> um, and so there's this, uh, it all goes wrong, but that's not the point. I, uh, I, I tweeted out this image where Spider-Man shows up to the meeting <laughs> and Moon Knight is immediately, he's got his knives out. He's like, ah, and, and, and Spider-Man says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just here for the chicken wings <laughs> <laughs> and Moon Knight. And then there's this very like, close panel like narrow panel of moon knight's eyes where you see him holding the moon blades in one hand and he goes there are no chicken wings <laughs> and i tweeted that out with the caption that says man i can't wait for moon Knight." um but because of twitter it cropped it to just his face and so all the responses i got were like Oh yeah, man, it's gonna be so good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, yes, I agree, but please click, please look at my joke. It's very funny. Sure, I do hope that Moon Knight is a little more just like down to earth, Moon Knight centric. Um, you know. I I want him to be. I want him to walk into a room and go, Dracula, where's my money, you fucking weirdo? You know, I like, I want all, I want that stuff. Um, and but no, I like it, it's. Uh, yeah, I agree. I I I want I want just a good story. It's fine if you want to tie it to the Marvel universe, sure, but sure, like there's like, don't give, don't have, don't expect me to get excited if like. Cersei shows up from the no, Eternals. I do like, think, that's so backwards. I think Don't we can get that. a hint of Blade or something like that. If you're going to introduce vampires, this is a great place to do it in the Moon Knight. Mm, this yeah, is what he does. And we, like we, Blade, spoiler for the Eternals, Blade is that voice that talks to the Black Knight, you know, or whatever. So we'll yes. see what happens there. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me though. Anyway, Jim, sorry. I went off on this whole thing about chicken wings. I apologize. No, you're fine. I was just kind of curious because I like Doom Patrol and Peacemaker are just kind of wacky, crazy. Yeah. Um, and I love them very much. Yeah. Um, they, they're, they're great. <laughs> Wonderful. Perfect. Perfect. Um, distillations of those, and then those properties. I, and then when I watch the Marvel shows, it just feels like it's building to something. Right. Like, and then continues on, which is fine. It's just it's just a different way to watch the shows, I guess. I yeah, I mean, and that's kind of why I um, that's kind of what I appreciated about Hawkeye is that um, uh, aside from uh, the ties with like Yelena showing up and and Vincent D'Onofrio coming back and Echo um, spinning off in her own show. Well, right, but like, but also, but there was no like. And no, here's a like, like there was nothing about you know there were, nobody invited Hawkeye or uh, Kate Bishop to the Young Avengers or the right. Thunderbolt. Like there's no multiversal madness there in was, the end of it. There was no yeah. like, and now Phase Four. Uh, we we know Echo's getting a spinoff, but they like there was nothing in the show that was that like necessarily um, served a larger purpose that. With that in a distracting way, yeah. I guess the Scarlet right. Witch doesn't show up in the end, you know, or is something. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. That's all I got, guys. All right, Jim. Sure. Good to talk to you, buddy. Thank you, Jim. No, I love that. Um, and uh, Tony Cook says my favorite crossover of all time was Alan Iverson on Michael Jordan. 
Uh, thank you, Tony. I'll tell you what. Um, uh, <laughs> we had a couple of con. We had a couple of comments about um, Robert Patrick uh, having a crazy tesseract laboratory in his trailer. Yeah, uh, which is uh, or in his shitty uh, house, which is um, crazy. Uh, it did indeed remind me Jonathan Sims, uh, creator of Floating Bunnyhead. Uh, uh, said it reminded me of blood sports tech in the, uh, in the comics. Uh, is, absolutely. Is, it did. Is that a thing from like peacemaker lore or did I he no have clue. a character? None, that, I yeah, have like, no I, clue. I have a complete None blind spot about this, this character. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of praise for Batgirl and agreement that like it just a short, a, a, a short kind of handful of issues and done a handful of episodes and done for a superhero show is the sweet spot. Um, you know, we don't need to be cranking out 26 episode seasons of these shows. Right. Definitely. Um, and you know what? I think I'm wrong. I don't think we'll see vampires in moon Knight, but I bet they're saving that for this Halloween special thing that they're doing with werewolf by night and stuff. That's where we'll get vampires and probably a taste of blade. That's my guess. Uh, hmm. I don't think we'll see blade until the blade movie. I so. mean, I'm talking, a glimpse maybe i don't think he's gonna maybe you know but he's about uh, yeah to maybe maybe I, like i don't i'm not confident enough to make a nerd bad about it but I, I i think that the i think blade w w since we know a blade movie is coming I, I i don't think we'll get much of blade beyond maybe a mention or yeah maybe a glimpse yeah joe patrick let's talk about our answers to the question of the week and i kept saying crossover 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 but the story was like event yeah, I mean, so event or or, or like a, 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 just a normal ass storyline like the death of Gwen Stacy can be an event. Sure, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to mean like fear itself, you know, or right, 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 whatever. Um, but yeah, a crossover or event or whatever. Um, and you know, like follow the mutants, I think that that quali obviously qualifies. You know, it didn't have a standalone mini; it was just a storyline that ran through the X books. Sure. Um, for me, it is obviously Crisis on Infinite Earths, but it's not going to be for like. I'm not going to go into my whole history about it. You, you guys have heard it, but um, crisis on infinite earths and what followed specifically the, uh, the complete revamping of the DC universe, the, the rebooting of the universe uh, from like a historical ground zero. Like I soaked that up like a sponge that as a, as a kid seeing that universe come to life following crisis is it's like it, I was already a fan of DC characters from all the comics I had as a kid uh, or as a little kid. That's what locked me in. It's like, oh, I'm, I am a DC. I'm, I'm a DC guy. That's me. And I like, I love the, you know, the changes they made to Superman with sure. uh, him being the sole survivor and uh, you know, his parents are still alive and he's a little weaker and like, I, like where he and he's more human, like Clark Kent is the Clark. He's Clark Kent and Superman is the mask, whereas it was vice versa before that. Yeah. Like, I love all of that stuff. I loved like the Wally West Flash and like the post crisis DC universe is my DC universe sure. to me. When I sure. think of DC, that's what I think of. When I think of about everything I love about DC, that's where it came from. And I think every time we every time we start complaining about what's going on at DC and they make a change and they go, okay, sorry about that. We overcorrected or whatever. They kind of get a little, not closer, but go back to that sort of post crisis. They backtrack, right. D yeah. yeah, DC. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Like if you think about the new 52 and all of the stuff that came out of Flashpoint with the new 52, um, 
there are very few things except for some uh, some character histories maybe that have not already been undone yeah by dc rebirth and the books and infinite frontier and everything that came after it and there's a reason for that it's because the post crisis dc universe was just a solid foundation that dc built on over the course of a couple of decades yeah, and definitely. There was nothing wrong with the universe itself. It wasn't broke. It didn't need to be fixed. It just needed to be tuned up. Right. And DC, as they do all the time, went too far. They went too far, and then they broke it further. Yeah. So. What can you do? What Um, can you do? So I'm going to go with a classic answer, like young Matt Bomb loves and still holds very close, and then a more recent one. Okay. So I think my classic answer is X-Men, the X-Men event Inferno, because I, there was a time in my life where I was only reading X-Men comics. That's all I wanted. I had no interest in anything else. And Inferno came along and touched all these other comics. And as a kid, being an idiot, of course, I didn't get it. So I was like, well, I have to read all of this if I want it to make sense, right? And so it got me to try so many different Marvel comics that I, I just never read at the time. And it, I, it's how I fell in love with Daredevil, honestly. And mm-hmm. like books like the Fantastic Four and, I, you know, Iron Man and uh, Thor even. I mean, like I was reading some Thor because I love the Walt Simonson stuff. But Inferno just pulled me into the Marvel Universe, uh, the greater Marvel Universe. Yeah, I get that for sure. Loved it. Like, is it a great event? No, it's pretty stupid. (laughs) It it really is not. But it has such a special place in my heart, you know, as as young Matt Bomb. No, I hear you. You know, I remember I, um, I, I was in seventh or eighth grade when I met my, uh, when I finally started to have comic book friends. Um, because I just didn't have, have them in elementary school. Um, and I knew a kid that, um, had a bunch, he brought some comics to school that were Inferno tie-ins. And, uh, I remember just like being amazed by them. Like, um, like that issue of Spider-Man where, uh, an elevator gets possessed by a demon and then eats a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, like I think about it, I, I think about it a fair amount of the time. It's such a, it's burned into my brain. Uh, Daredevil fights a goddamn vacuum cleaner, yeah, and it's one of the most compelling stories. And Nascenti Daredevil, yeah, yeah it's it's like, um, it's an he's amazing not even in costume. Issue. He's wearing like bandages and stuff. Yeah, he's uh, all like, torn up. Yeah, yeah. Right. and he's just walking around like a man possessed, just fighting demons. He like wrestles a subway. <laughs> a living subway that's like burning people inside of it. It like yeah. turns into like this hell dragon and he like pulls back on the, on its horns and leaps it out of the ground. How he doesn't get killed. I don't know. It's I, not important, but yeah, it's <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's uh, uh, Inferno. Inferno is an event where I find the tie-ins more interesting than the main story. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, I and, was just. I very, love an event where the tie-ins are super interesting. I was romantically involved <laughs> with the main I know, story because I, I love the X Men so much, and you know, we we had Madeline Pryor wearing that thong, and as a kid, I was just like, "Yep, <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah." Um, for, like uh, my favorite X Men event is uh, is Executioner's song because really that was 
Yes. Really? Um, well, okay. So now my my first X Men comic. Not a great event. <laughs> it, it is a great event. You're wrong. It holds up. Maybe it really I does. To, maybe I need to revisit that. Yeah. One. Um. I had an I had an X Men reprint as a as a little kid, and I did, didn't really understand much of it. It was a classic X Men number three. Um, it was the issue after Thunderbird died yeah, where the yeah. demons uh, like Cyclops smashes the thing that's holding the demon in check. And so more more Megan Taggart shows up with a machine gun. It's weird. But so the the first X-Men comic I ever actually like wanted and bought was X-Men number one, Jim Lee's X-Men number one. And so the first event that happened after the release of X-Men number one was Executioner's Song. Yep. And it crossed over to all the books. And I was hooked, man. I was hooked. I might have to revisit it. I don't remember it being that great. I don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, Stri- Strife shows up. I remember uh, disguised yeah. as cable. He shoots professor X with a bullet, uh, with a techno organic bullet. Yeah. And the techno virus is killing professor X. Could have just shot him with a bullet, but whatever. Well, you um, wanted to stretch it out. You want to make it long. Yeah. Yeah. Guy. Come on. Um, and, and so like, like they have to go to apocalypse for help and uh, the dark riders show up and you find out that, like Cyclops and Jean find out that uh, that uh, or pardon me, Cyclops finds out that he's connected to Cable in a way that he didn't know before. We don't find out about the kid thing until later. Yeah. Um. The legacy virus gets released. Like yeah. a ton of shit happens. In I, the I remember. Time. I just man, I'll have to I remember. love it. I don't know. Oh, early Jay Lee uh, draws yeah. those issues of X Factor. I remember the art was amazing. Greg yeah. Capullo draws the X Force. It's it's a good time. I have to revisit that. Um, uh, so what's your modern one? Sorry. More I modern. Like, I got a little I, nostalgic. I think, and we, we got to a point where we got really tired of superheroes fighting superheroes because they did it for so long. Yes. But that first Civil War was so much fun. And the buildup to it where we saw like the fundamental disagreement between, you know, like Tony and Cap, basically, and the ideas. See, of, but that, like, that's the thing, though, man, is it. that I think you're I think you're looking at it through rose colored glasses. I am. There was no buildup. It all happened in Civil War. I guess you're right. I feel like everything happened in Civil War. Yeah. In the, in the event. And everything happened that came out of it is what I liked more. I think sure like the, yeah like new the, Aven- the new Avenger stuff yeah. yeah and like the death of Cap and stuff like that like, right no you're right and I mean, Bucky like, becoming Captain America what yeah. came out of that stuff was just incredible but I did like that mini it was fun the mini See, was a I, lot of fun <laughs> I I have been revisiting a lot of Marvel events and I really liked I thought the way that Bendis and uh, the writers around him at the time built up to Secret Invasion was genius. Yeah, that was really good. All of that lead in to Secret uh, to Secret Invasion was better than the actual Secret Invasion event. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, because the event like the was para- the paranoia and the like. Who's a scroll and finding out this person's a scroll? It 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 was so good. Yeah. It's so fun. It really was. Um, a modern event for me. Hmm. Um. I really liked uh, I and you know we're stretching the bounds of of modern here because Civil War was 2007. Uh, Siege is probably I'm on saying, my list. When it I say was modern, I'm saying like last 20 years is what I'm saying. Sure, right. Um, I really loved Siege because not only was it short, Siege was great, yeah, and and straight to the point, but it was also like a release valve on all of the things, all of the tensions of the Marvel universe. Yeah, it was like the villains have gone too far. America now recognizes the mistake they've made with Norman Osborn. Mm-hmm. Captain America, Steve Rogers is back. 
let's set things right. And then at the end of it, like the registration act is repealed. Yeah. The, you know, and it's like, it was really the heroic, the heroic it leads to the heroic age, it which I the love. end of all that civil war shit. Basically. Um, so yeah, like I really loved that for Marvel. I, I don't know that there's a DC event that I have loved in a while. Yeah. I can't, I certainly can't think of one where yeah. they didn't, like I'm surprised that Domingo's brought up Infinite Crisis and felt good about it. Like, cause it was just, as I recall, it was just a joke. Like it was such a joke. Well, I mean, he is right. All the buildup stuff was great fun. Buildup was great. Um, and Infinite Crisis itself, like we did make a lot of jokes about the Superboy Prime stuff, and the and like I, and I we found took Infinite, Superboy and turned him into a murderer. <laughs> right. I, I I think it got a little bit mean spirited. Yeah. And the Superboy Connor Kent dies, and like yeah. it, it's kind of a downer. Of but again, the buildup and the stuff that came after is all golden sure and so the for that like yeah infinite crisis i, I think is is a success as an event yeah i think you gotta um, go way back to get to any dc events that were like oh yeah that was fun <laughs> yeah yeah like, underworld unleashed <laughs> might be the last time i remember uh, underworld unleashed time. is great yeah so it's, it's very good that might be the and last it, good and, time I remember. and it's only three issues yeah. the main events only three issues. done and it was fun boom oh you know what dc one million DC oh, One Million, I, I love was DC One Million. Awesome, yeah, I that do was love DC so One much Million. fun. Uh, yep. But probably more than twenty years ago. Now that I think about it, <laughs> it would have been we're we're real close. Yeah, gotta be. Yeah, almost twenty five years probably. All right, we've had enough of this crap today. Before we get out of here, Joe, set him up with the new question of the week, please. All right, our next question of the week is inspired by the forthcoming release of the X Lives and Deaths of Wolverine and the return of. I think it is. <laughs> I know, but I don't care. And the return of all of his many personas, like, you know, the Wolverine with digital claws. Sure. The Wolverine where he's, you know. Don't forget uh, Hot Claws. Remember Hot Claws? Hot Claws, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that um, long ago. <laughs> but, you know, Patch, sure. you know, uh, brown costume, yellow costume. We're going to see all the Wolverines. Um, so the question of the week is this. What is your favorite persona, alter, alternate persona, identity, uh, version, whatever, of your of a character that you love? So, like, for example, if you really loved it when Spider-Man dressed up as four different superheroes. Right. And then those superheroes became the slingers. You can't get enough of Bruce Wayne dressing up as yeah. Matches Malone. Right. You know, so your your favorite alternate, your favorite alternate version. And if it's a what if version, uh, it can be a what if version, but it's got to be he's different. Like Tony right. Stark is Ant-Man in Avengers Forever. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not just like, I like the version of uh, Tony. I like the version of Peter Parker where he got old and gave Mary Jean cancer with his radioactive sperm we don't that's not what we're talking about well, if you're into that i mean you're yeah. a weirdo so your your favorite comic book character palette swap to oh. coin to to bring a video game term into it i love it and we won't be here next week we've got some stuff we got to take care of but we'll be back the week after so read up hit us you got all kinds of time to think about it to call us and leave us uh, your answers or like I said go over to Editor. we've got a new contact section with a drop down menu of all the segments if you want to be part of the show and one of those is the question of the week you can answer it right there via email it's totally radical hit us up it's we, true we love it when you guys come on the show and do the work for us it's fantastic uh, and yeah thank you to everybody that uh, called in today that was here live and uh, we we love talking to you guys and you know it's just a nice boost at the end of the at the end of the week totally and um, yeah we appreciate it we appreciate it and uh, we'll see you in two weeks time 
All right, kids. For now, my name's Matt Baum. My name's Joe Patrick. And it's the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Thank you.